I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. And this is the Science Fiction and Fantasy Book Club video show, podcast, uh, author interview guide, uh, book Beer publisher, drinking society. Beer Drinking Society, drinking Whiskey society. Drinking Society, um, yep. uh, Mike Cole Appreciation Society, um, yep. Sam Sykes, Sam Memorial Sykes society. Uh, Teasing Society. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of things uh, tacked on to our resume at this point, yeah. of which all it's of which I'm very proud Oh, absolutely. Not ashamed of a single one of them. No, and we are streaming right now on YouTube, so hello to all of our live viewers. Um, if you are listening to the podcast and want to see a little bit of the uh, uh, behind-the-scenes action that goes on at Sword and Laser, you can check that out at youtube.com slash thesswordandlaser. Um, let's kick things off with what are we drinking? Tom, you are imbibing a fine beverage over there. I am. I'm having a Boddington's Pub Ale. It is not highly rated on Beer Advocate. I don't know why. Oh, the crowd, the uh, crowd rating on Beer Advocate is abysmal for Boddingtons. But I love Boddingtons. I prefer Boddingtons out of the tap. But the pub ale cans are kind of like the Guinness cans, so they give you an approximation. I find it quite refreshing. You know, I learned about Boddingtons from you um, when we were both working at CNET, and mm-hmm. I used to order it at the pub around the corner. At Kate. Yeah. At, at what is it called? Kate O'Brien's. Kate O'Brien's, yeah. And I was like, oh, that looks like a fun beer in a can with a B on it. Yes, it does have a B if you buy it on the can. Yeah. If you get it poured in a pr- pub properly, you, there should not be there a can. There should not be a can or a B. No. If there's a B, what? run. Run for your life Are because you you're allergic of bees. Bees today? What? No, I'm not drinking bees. I'm drinking um, Earl Grey, mildly warm at this point. <laughs> Tea, Earl Grey, Luke. Luke. <laughs> Luke, I am your father. T. T. Earl Grey. Luke, I am your father. All right. Uh, I'm mixing my metaphors. Sorry. I suppose we should just burn some quicks. So there are some uh, new Expanse novels announced. This is according to Ben over on Goodreads. Of course, now we are taking more of your guys' suggestions for uh, topics to cover on the Quick Burns. Uh, Ben says, Another trilogy of novels by James S.A. Corey set in the Expanse universe has been bought by Orbit. Uh, This will extend the series to a planned nine novels, all being released only a year apart, plus short stories and novellas. He says, I just recently got into this world, so I'm very pleased to see it will be continuing for some years yet. Uh, Tom, I know that you should be pretty excited about this. You are a big Expanse fan. I am. I I love Holden and the Rosinante and crew. And books five and six are scheduled to be released in 2015 and 2016. And it's nice to know that that will not be the end of the run. uh, That will keep getting their adventures. It's very rare in my life, Veronica, (laughs) that I get in on the ground floor of such a trend. That's true. A series that can go nine books, I'm usually late to the party. Song of Ice and Fire, Wheel of Time, freaking Lord of the Rings. Obviously, I wasn't even born yet. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to have been in like on the ground floor with Leviathan Wakes. Well, we we kind of, yeah, I mean, we read Leviathan Wakes for the book club, right? And, yeah, we did. Um, but, you know, we were there for the beginning of the Kingkiller Chronicles, which so far is just a trilogy, but I could definitely see that universe continuing to expand. Were we there for the very beginning of Kingkiller? I was. Oh, okay. I was. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I'm um, no Veronica Belmont. Then, like, the Marie Brennan books, the Lady Trent books, that's just uh, yeah, getting kicked that's off. True. I think that's going to be a pretty, pretty extensive we too, series. We were only a few months late to that right. party. 
Um, yeah, but we got Ancillary there before Justice. The I mean, that's going to be a trilogy that'll probably Ancillary Justice on. for sure. Yeah, yeah, good one. So we're we're getting we're getting better at this. But I almost like coming in later to a book series because then you have the ability to just power through the whole thing and not have to be in that Song of Ice and Fire like clenched, bated breath, like when is the next book coming out? <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, there are advantages to both. I love the anticipation, and I'll talk a little bit about Sibylla Burns of like, ooh, it came out today. I'm downloading it, and I'm going to start reading it. I'm so excited. It's a little like you know Christmas feeling. But then there's the payoff, which is the George R. R. Martin Song of Ice and fire feeling you have in between the books it is nice to kind of binge and know oh yeah all nine books in the series are great because they've been out for years mm-hmm. and we've all read them that, that's always nice too uh rob has actually a counterpoint to this discussion he says i have mixed feelings i like the series a lot and i'm sure i'll read the newly announced trilogy but sometimes longer stories slash more books aren't a good thing i'll be fine if it's a new self-contained trilogy set in the same universe after the end of the current story but if this means things will now take nine books to be resolved instead of six that's annoying to me hard to say no to more money and content publishers and producers hate to take risks on new things when they have something that is popular though if he was if they were stretching it out in in other words if they only had six books and they were stretching it to nine i could totally see that i could totally agree uh or if they didn't have enough story Mm -hmm. if they were like oh we really finished the story in book four but we'll just keep going like yeah that that's I've seen that happen. It totally sucks. I know that they planned to have a lot of story. And so they have said, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank have both said, we're happy to be able to get the runway to tell the story we want to tell. That mm-hmm. makes me feel like, okay, they, they really have enough to fill this up. I know what Rob means, which is like, if you want to get to the end of the story, now you're going to have to wait longer. But for I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that over having it cut off and being like, oh, I wish, I wish there were more. Well, uh, moving on to exciting real-world things in uh, the space realm, uh, Bookshelf posted about the IXS Enterprise, or the IXS-110, uh, which is a proposed starship uh, that is uh, being worked on by NASA. Um, this is all. This is actually really interesting and very timely, because I was just in L.A. last week, and I was filming a, a TV show where we talked about Harold White, the, the guy, uh, the physicist, the NASA physit- physicist um, who's collaborating on this uh, would-be ship um, uh, about the um, Alcubierre drive. I always, I'm, I'm never sure if I'm actually saying Miguel Alcubierre's name correctly. I should probably go watch, watch some TV interviews about him. But he is, um, uh, he created a warp drive, or he didn't create a warp drive, but he uh, proposed how a warp Postulated drive could or, be possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And Harold White is a NASA physicist who is um, designing ships kind of based around this, this idea and this drive process. Uh, this ship actually looks different from another design that I saw him create. Um, but yeah, I started reading one of his papers about it. It's super interesting. So they're trying to develop a ship um, that could use faster than light travel um, to, you know, basically take us to, you know, through interstellar travel, um, you know, so we wouldn't have to go into cryostasis. You're for... there, Belmont. It's warp drive. He's what trying to say? make a freaking warp drive. You did said I... faster than light travel, which is not is there, Did I not say warp drive at all in that whole statement? Well, I don't know whole if, statement? You, if you said it, I missed it. Cause well, the Alcubierre drive. drive is a warp drive. That's what it yeah. is. Um, so it's, it's... See, I always think of it as the Zephyrm Cochran drive because okay. of Star Trek, it was Zephyrm Cochran yes. who created it. Well, but this in, is, real, in the real this life... The, this would be the real one. <laughs> Um, um, wait, but I'm not done talking. Mc- I'm not done babbling about this yet. So. Okay, go, go, continue. <laughs> 
Actually, maybe I was done. Yeah, so it's essentially warp drive. So the the ability to bend space time in order to travel faster than light and essentially be in this warp bubble, uh, wherein the inhabitants of the ship would be protected from the effects of um, moving faster than light. You know, going past the, you know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. The third law of motion. Uh, so, you know, if you're traveling faster than light, all the inhabitants of the spaceship are, are being impacted by Partially. those forces, and they're yeah. basically, you turn into a pancake. Um, so a warp drive, a warp bubble would protect you from those effects. So that's kind of what they're playing with now. It essentially now. warps space around you, so you're not actually traveling faster than light, but you can arrive somewhere faster than light Yes, could. that is literally what it is doing. It is warping yeah. space-time um, so that you are traveling inside of a bubble, and the clock on the wall will still maintain Earth time. Um, mm-hmm. And so it'll just be like you're just kind of like driving on a space highway, but going. Yeah, you you get the you're idea. A space it's different from a jump drive, though. It's a different different theory from a jump drive. But the whole point of this is that new art by Mark Rademacher in collaboration with Harold White that Veronica was just talking about has been created and put up. So we started this all by like saying, oh, this is, this is reality. And, and, and it is reality that the, the theory that Veronica described is true. It is reality that Harold White is a physicist who is employed by NASA, who is working on a long-term project to develop this sort of thing. The pictures that they made are not what this thing's going to end up looking like. It's more of concept drawing to get you excited. Yeah, and these pictures are not even the same picture that I saw because Alcubierre Drive is like circular. So it it actually creates, it's a circular drive that encompasses the outside of the ship. Not not spherical, it's just a circular formation. Um, Yeah. So it's a little bit different. More like something out of Star Trek. Yeah. And of course, then you need power to power this kind of thing. And they initially said, I think Miguel Cubieri said you would need a power source that was as large as the planet Jupiter. But now Harold White is saying that you could possibly get around it with a power source, exotic matter, uh, about the size of a um, car. Yeah. You just need some exotic matter. You just need the exotic (laughs) matter, which is a totally different... You know, we haven't even gotten to that point yet. Is it, is it right. dark matter? What is exotic matter? What is this thing going to be made of? Does is dark matter be... even exist? And where can yeah. we find it? And how do we collect it? And how do we put it in a car so that we can then power our ship? <laughs> well, you don't actually put it in a car. I just mean the size, <laughs> size. of the car. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Uh, back to reality. I mean, fiction. Uh, io9 has a really cool article about a chart that breaks down every Game of Thrones season scene by book chapter and episode so it's the perfect companion to the television show if you want to know where the thing that you saw happened happened in the book (laughs) i had a hard time understanding this graph a little bit well on the left on the left is the shows right yeah on the y-axis is uh all of the episodes and on the x-axis are all of the chapters from the book and so you can see through this chart that the first season holds together pretty well with the book. So the first season of Game of Thrones fits pretty well with the the plot of the book, A Game of Thrones. And then we start getting into A Clash of Kings in the season two, and all of a sudden things start kind of breaking up a little bit. The storylines start diverging. You start to see characters happening where they shouldn't be happening. 
And then by the time season three rolls around, it is picking parts from all sorts of books and just dropping them in the storyline. Did story you line. notice there's even one little block from this past season that is apparently mm-hmm. in the winds of winter? The winds of well, so what? That now, I don't was, know if they know that it's in the winds of winter, or if they're just saying, "Oh, well, that season wasn't any of the books that we've read, so it must be in the next one." I actually, um, so that's in the comments. Uh, so I went to the comments to try to see if anyone had discussed that. And I don't want to get into spoilers, but the first comments on the io9 discussion cover that. So they explain what part of that book is brought into season four. Hmm. I'm not, hmm. You'll just have to go back and look at it. Hmm. I'm trying to find it. Um, it's the very it's first not, comment on the, the io9 very page. first comment? Yeah. From Grand, Grand, Grand Moff talking? talking? Yeah. So that's the is character. It's just a that, question. That's the, yes, and then the answer comes after that. Did you click read all discussions? I'm not going to explain to you how to use Kinja. <laughs> how do you use the internet? <laughs> Kinja as a comment system can be kind of difficult to understand. That's Gawker's, Gawker's comment system. I've only got one comment, though, and it doesn't have an answer. So. Yeah, there's answers. I'll show you later. <laughs> let's, let's just move Kinja. on. <laughs> you and your Kinjas. We have the winners from the 2014 Campbell and Sturgeon Awards. Um, and for the John W. Campbell Award, it went to Strange Bodies by Marcel Thoreau. And the Sturgeon Award went to Enjoy Knowing the Abyss by Sarah Pinsker. Congratulations. Uh, I kind of want to read Strange Bodies now because I, I was looking it up. I didn't know what it was about. I, I'd heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is apparently someone shows up uh, who is supposed to be dead and he's got letters from Stam- Samuel Johnson that have never existed. Uh, you know, like Samuel Johnson, the biographer. Mm-hmm. And he did a biography of Samuel Johnson. And people are like, wait a minute, you, you're dead. And he's like, well, no, apparently I'm not. And it all goes on from there. They, it's compared to like a Philip K. Dick. That's the thing that sucked me in, of course, when they gotcha. compared it to Philip K. Dick. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for Quick Burns. Uh, Tom, you want to tell us about our uh, little special anthology we've got going? Well, I know that a lot of folks out there are probably always looking for something else to read. And maybe some of you wish you could read like 20 books in the space of time that it takes to read one book. Or maybe you can't decide between science fiction and fantasy. We have solved all of your problems. You have no more problems in life because we have put together the Sword and Laser Anthology. There are 20 stories, 10 sci-fi 10 Fantasy. They are written by members of the Sword and Laser audience that we found right here. And the stories are Patrick Rothfuss approved. So head on down to your favorite online bookseller and search for Sword and Laser Anthology or go to Sword and Laser Books, or I'm sorry, swordandlaser.com slash store. Yep, we are now officially on Amazon Kindle and on uh, Barnes and Noble Nook. Um, So if you're looking for a DRM'd version of the ebook, you can get them at one of those two places. <laughs> you can get the undrm'd at lulu.com or swordandlaser.com slash store. Uh, yeah, or, or print versions at Amazon and Barnes and Noble as well. Yeah, and of course, um, we weren't able, we're, it's not like we get notifications when the book um, is available in one of those new stores because we did all the distribution through Lulu. Um, so you guys have been awesome about telling us when things are popping up in different ebook stores. So thank you for that. Um, and we hope you enjoy it. So, Tom, uh, what, are you, what are you reading this month beyond our, our regular pick? So, yeah, I'm very excited to get to our July book. Uh, I have finished Promise of Blood, our June book. And in the meantime, as I mentioned, reading Cibola Burn by James S.A. Corey. Uh, there was a point because Holden, the main character from Leviathan Wakes and the, the crew of the Rosinante, don't show up 
until like I don't know I think it's like fourth chapter. But as soon as as soon as they show up, they're in the kitchen making spaghetti, and it just has that firefly feel of Mal and the crew in the kitchen. Do you remember the scene from the from? Do you remember that one scene from that one episode where they're all in the kitchen? No, I there's a, there's a particular scene where they're all sitting around telling stories and they're eating, and it, it really feel I felt like I was home. I was like ah. I'm back with Holden and the crew, so I'm really enjoying that. Uh, also reading on audiobook, Traveling in Space by Stephen Paul Leva, who is narrated by our friend Jeff Kanata. Yay! That's so exciting. Yeah, he's he's really excited about this project. Um, I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I really look forward to it. Traveling in Space is interesting. It is a an alien first contact story told from the point of view of the aliens. And the aliens believed until they met us that there was no other life in the universe. That sounds so about right. Pretty stunned to come across us, and also the fact that we were like, I don't know, we thought there might be life in the universe. They're like, but why? Why would you think that? And they're a very logical race, and there's there's some really fun stuff in it. So I'm enjoying it. Very what are you reading? Cool. Um, well, right now I'm reading Hunted by Kevin Hearn, um, and I'm also reading uh, the latest Diana Gabaldon, not the latest, um, the second book in the Outlander series. Uh, oh, okay. Something in Amber, Amber and something. I can't remember the name right now. Sam Sykes and Amber. Sam Sykes and Amber. Sam Sykes trapped in Amber. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's great. And uh, I'm also really looking forward to Shattered by Kevin Hearn, which is the most recent uh, Iron Druid Chronicles that just came out this week. Uh, it's doing really well in the ratings. So if you guys want to support Kevin, get it now. Get it on the bestseller list. Um, the series is really, really fun. And I've been uh, really enjoying the audiobooks narrated uh, by Luke Daniels. And uh, he's a great audiobook narrator. So if uh, he also narrated uh the mongoliad um the neil stevenson yeah he did the yeah for all the the great authors that were involved with that project um he narrated the audiobook i found that out because audible was doing a bogo last week um and i picked up uh blue remembered earth by alistair reynolds oh i love that book cheesy self-help book that i thought you know what i'm I'm actually still reading on the steel breeze which is the sequel to blue remembered earth Mm -hmm. in the background but I'm going to I'm gonna tear through Sibylla Byrne, I think, before yeah. I finish Steel Breeze. But yeah, I slowed down a little bit after my reading sprint um, from last month. So I, I'm looking forward to getting started with our, our book pick for July. I was just uh, looking up because I just realized Kevin Hearn is writing a Star Wars book, right? James S.A. Corey is Wait, writing Kevin a Star Wars book. Kevin Hearn is writing Wars. a Star Wars book? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah you did. Did we, we talk about that? About it. Yeah, we talked to him about it on, when we had him on the video show. He wrote Heir to the Jedi, which isn't coming out until February 17th. So Do you we've remember got how a, many interviews we did in that like three-day period? Oh, it's yeah, hard for me to remember, I don't remember every, every single every interview. of them either. I was um, so drunk on whiskey by the time we talked to Kevin because he gave us so little much to do. We'll do will do wonders to your memory. Yeah. Um, so but that, yeah, that, no. I blame it, him for uh, that. It, the Star Wars people, the Star Wars publishing arm is is putting together some amazing stuff here. It's awesome. That is very cool. What do we have from uh, the audience uh, picks? Well, uh, I picked a representative person, and uh, Sandy in the thread, what are we reading in June, what else are you reading, just said, I finished listening to Hollow World this morning. I really liked it, kind of a modern H.G. Wells, Jonathan Swift vibe. I'm now starting on The Steel Breeze. I love the narrator, uh, Joe... Joa Ando. She played Martha's mother on Doctor Who and oh, was one cool. of the narrators of Lagoon by Nindy Okorafor. That's awesome. 
That sounds really interesting. Well, moving on to the rest of the calendar, too. On July 1st, we have the Rhesus Chart, a Laundry Files novel by Charles Strauss, Hurricane Fever by Tobias S. Buckle, Buckel, damn it, and July 8th, we have Half a King by Joe Abercrombie. They even you send me. On, you put on your narrator voice there for a second, and then you went, Tobias S. Buckel, damn it. <laughs> it was hilarious. I, I think it was Terp Kristen actually sent me a video of Tobias saying his name because we made such a big deal about it last time. He he has a, there's like a, he does a talk and he talks about his name. Oh, and he, and he says, says it out loud. this is how to say my name, people. Yeah, and, and I, so I watched it and I still screwed it up. Because that's my thing. Anyway, oh, by the way, um, Joe Abercrombie fans, if you're going to be in San Francisco on July 28th, uh, Joe Abercrombie is doing an event at Borderlands here in the city, uh, in the Mission. Uh, Josh and I are going. Um, I think a lot of other group members are going. There is an events uh, notice about it uh, over on Goodreads. Shut up. Shut up, Tom. Um, is Ryan going? No, Ryan's not. Shut up. Shut up, Tom. Anyway, so we're going to go see Joe Abercrombie. And then on the 31st, we'll talk more about this later. Um, we're having a, a book club meetup. Um, but anyway, yeah, so Joe Abercrombie will be there. He's doing a big tour right now for Half a King. Um, so he may be coming to a city near you if you're not in the Bay Area. Listeners, help us. You're our only hope. Uh, actually, if you want Sword and Laser, to get good advertisers, you, you could help us. You can complete a survey that will enter you in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. And we promise not to share or sell your email address. We won't uh, give you an email at all unless you win, of course. Then we'll email to tell you you won the gift card. So go to www.podsurvey. That's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash laser. Podsurvey.com slash laser. Uh, fill out the survey if you haven't already and get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Thank Woo. you. Very nice. You're our friend. All right. Well, now it is time for Bury Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And I did kind of bury the lead a little bit. Uh, yeah, we are having our a physical monthly meetup at Borderlands um, starting in July on July 31st. Um, so if you are in the Bay Area and want to come talk about that month's book pick, we will be there in the cafe at Borderlands. Uh, thanks to Josh Lawrence, our forum mod, for setting this whole thing up. We are really excited. Um, I actually, I, I said I was going, but I may have a job in LA on the 31st. Um, so I what? might not be going. Oh, well, I was going to try to come up, but if you're not going to... Well, yeah. Yeah, it's not definite yet. I I find out if I got if well, I have the gig this week. Well, I know I want to be able to go, but I also have to make money. I know. All right. Right All now. Right. That's, that's fair. I'm not that's in a position totally to turn down work, Tom Barrett. I don't have a Patreon that I can just get articles <laughs> written about for right, me. Right, because I'm just sleeping in a bed of money. Sleeping doing your your Scrooge McDuck <laughs> is- swimming in your pile of internet money. <laughs> Which is the only job I have. I don't get flown to L.A. I live here. I don't. I Yeah, I don't don't live there, so I have to fly there to do work. All right, so we'll try to figure that out. Hopefully one or both of us will be there. If not, Josh Lawrence will be there, and there'll be plenty of others because we're going to do this every month, right? Yes, so this is going to be a monthly thing. Um, Borderlands is on board. We're going to have the book picks available for purchase at Borderlands. Uh, We're going to do our discussion at Borderlands, and then afterwards we're going to go have cocktails. Yay. Adult libations. You don't need us. Like The the true stars of Sword and Laser are the book club anyway, so other members are really where you're going to have the most fun so go no matter what happens it's going to be super fun i hope to see you all there Um, wait josh lawrence has the next one here is that different josh 
Oh, it's a different Josh. Good. Different okay. Josh. So it's favoritism just towards people named Josh. Yes. Uh, Josh, other Josh, not Josh Lawrence, uh, writes in the forums, has anyone heard of any Uncharted-esque books out there? Uh, something historical, explorer or treasure hunt related, ancient cult fantastical books. Does that make sense? Anything like the Uncharted games or National Treasure, ha, preferably with less Nick Cage. I would actually love a video game with Nick Cage as the main character. I mean, sorry, a book. Would you? That'd be pretty amazing. That's called the National Treasure novelization. It's it's actually a game of the Wicker Man, and you just fight (laughs) off bees. Wild face the book. There you go. Um, So there are some suggestions in the forums. Um, Michelle leads off with um, James Rollins, uh, perhaps for Amazonia and his Sigma Force novels like Sandstorm. Then there's Alex Archer, whose Rogue Angel series Destiny is sort of a female Indiana Jones. Um, and also Steve Barry also writes these, but he uh, she has not read any of his Templar legacy. Hmm. So, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm trying to decide if um, Philip Pullman counts with the Golden Compass. Yeah, but that's a little, a little YA. Yeah. But I guess. Oh, don't, don't start that. You know, I know. A, I, I am pro YA. I am totally pro yeah. YA. If you love YA, read YA. I read YA. Everyone should read YA, at least at some part in their life. If you're a grown up, if you're a kid, whatever, who cares? Read what you like to read. I'm just happy you're reading. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, so we just want to make that clear to everyone. Yes. But yes, it's good. This is uh, like all of these threads. Lots of great ideas if you want this kind of feedback. Or if, like Josh, you have a question like, you know what? I've been looking for YA steampunk novels involving bats. Seriously. Someone knows a book. Yes. Someone in the book club will know like, oh, well, what you want to read? And they'll give you like a huge long list. I learned today that there's a book called Amish Vampires in Space. There you go. There's a book literally for anyone. There is. Takes all kinds. Takes (laughs) all Amish vampire kinds. It does. Amish vampires, really? Well, I was thinking, you know, vampires and space don't really make sense, but then we read... um, That book? About the vampires in space? The vampire in space. Peter Cross? No, Peter Wells? Peter Cushing? Peter... um, (laughs) Come on! We read this as a book pick. No, I know. I always forget. I always blank Peter on the Watts? name of that book, Peter too. Watts? Peter blind, Watts, thank you. Blind Sight? Blind, blind something? Yeah. Blind Sight. Blind Sight. Is that the name of the book? Yeah, it's a great book because the vampires aren't really vampires. They're just aliens that lived on Earth. Oh, well, they're alien to us. Hey, spoilers. And uh, Wait, we well, can't no, talk about spoilers. Really a... We read it for the book club. You should have read yeah. this anyway. <laughs> honestly, that's not, that's not the spoiler of the book. That's you learn that early on. That's that spoiler of the book is what happens later when they go out into space. But there is one vampire on the ship. And I thought the coolest thing about that book was that there wasn't a cross thing with the vampires. It was a perceptual problem where they couldn't see right angles or right angles made their like make them freak out because there are no right angles in nature. And so that's why things like crosses worked. I love that. Oh, by the way, uh, Terp Kristen points out it was not her that corrected me about Tobias Buckel's name. Maybe Tomahome? Maybe. I don't know. You guys are so smart. You always, someone, someone's going to get me correction. Can't tell all you smart people apart. Yeah. All right. And then um, Alexander. Where did you see her say that? Oh, in the, um, uh, I have Q&A turned on. Oh. So she posted in the Q&A section. There it is. Hi, Terp Kristen. Yeah. Nice. 
All right. Well, moving on, Alexander has a thread about how do you find new books to read? And not only did he start a thread, but he built a chart. He's that a chart, was the book, the book discovery funnel. I love this funnel. <laughs> it is so named. Um, so these are how he, he starts with authors or brands and then funnels out through recommendations, buzz or, you know, stumbling on the title or cover. Then it goes through a concept filter. And then you just, he decides based on rating reviews, a sample. And then he goes through the final process, which is the purchase slash read process. I, um, I totally get this. He's like, I stumble across it somehow, right? Mm-hmm. And then I like, do I like the concept? Okay, let's see if people are rating it. Let's read a couple of reviews. Let me, let me take a sample of it. And then he decides to read it. I was actually pretty surprised by how long it took me in this thread to get to someone who said Sword and Laser was one of their ways they found books in the Sword and Laser forums. Took was, a while. Um, well, the Ben second, did say it. The second Ben, ben did say it in the second comment, but I didn't see that because I was scanning very quickly. What's your process for deciding what to read? It's basically Sword and Laser, like things that are in the <laughs> on the calendar. I am assigned to it by Sword and Laser or Vaginal Fantasy. I assign that's, my books are assigned to me by the that's audience. How Veronica decides what to read. Actually, that's kind of what it is for me too. And then I when I want to read another book, if I've caught up with everything, I usually try to go back to an earlier series that I already started and continue on in that series unless there's something really hot that I want to read. It's almost entirely random for me. I I do try to keep a to read list in Goodreads when Mm -hmm. I like run across something that sounds cool, but I don't do anything nearly as like pragmatic as what Alexander does. Mm -hmm. I just sort of go, Oh, I like that. I'll try to remember to read that. That's it. That's it. Well, as if we needed more things to read, uh, Killian has a thread about if we should read comics or graphic novels as group reads. This is an important question that has come up before in the history of Sword and Laser. Mm -hmm. He says, one of the great things about SNL is that lots of the book picks encourage you to try something different. It pushes the boundaries of what you normally read and quite often is a pleasant surprise. I have never read a comic graphic novel, but this summer I plan to get into the medium. I have always thought it's a great way to put more original ideas to print, ideas that may not be done justice in novel form. Um, so he goes on to talk about it a little bit. And uh, so here's what he proposes. Twice or three times a year, depending on how popular it is, we could read the opening issue of one superhero and one non-superhero comic. That way both camps will be satisfied. I just think that seeing as SNL is involved in so many different areas of sci- sci-fi and fantasy, uh, that we would be remiss to not include comics in that, as they are a large part of SSF literature. Let me know what you think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that idea. It's just... I, maybe. Here, here, here's how I answered it last time, which was several years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, we very consciously decided to make it science fiction and fantasy books. We've at various times thought about, well, should we do movies? Should we, you know, should we mm-hmm. do TV shows? And we will talk about them, but we generally try to talk about them in the context of books that you can read. Uh, and we, f- there's so many good podcasts out there about graphic novels. I'm not sure that we can do it justice when, when we're so good at, well, I like to think we're at least halfway decent at <laughs> this kind. You know, we're having a hard enough time doing this genre. Let's put it that way. When you bring in graphic novels, it starts to be divisive. As you can see, a few people already said, ah, I wouldn't really be into that. They are, they're a different form. They're a different, not a different genre, but they're, they're a different way of consuming a book, much more different than an audiobook is from print. So that's why we haven't done it before. Mm-hmm. Given the enthusiasm of people in this thread, though, 
I feel like might be worth experimenting with as an alternate pick sometime. And even mm-hmm. then, I would say, let me know. I haven't, I haven't thrown this past Veronica, so let, let, me, let me see what she thinks. Um, I would say we do graphic novels that are somehow related to science fiction and fantasy books. So for, for instance, um, Stephen King's uh, The Gunslinger has a graphic novel series. Right. There is a George R. R. Martin Song of Ice and Fire graphic novel series. Mm-hmm. I would say we start there and kind of try to keep it in our world and see and just kind of baby steps, see how people like it. I could be open to that. But I would never want to do it right away as an as a solo pick, because I just feel like that's like saying, well, you could also watch the movie. You could also watch the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. I think an alt pick would be a good a good compromise there. Yeah, but I get that it's closer to books than a TV show or movie is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think they're, are they more expensive? I mean, I know people can buy things on like Comixology or the Image Comics app or... Even on Comixology, when you compare like a Kindle price to a graphic novel price, when you talk about trades anyway, yeah, uh, it can still be more expensive. But that that is a better way to go. Of course, you have to have something that you can read it on, like a tablet. Uh, it's kind of a pain to try to read those on your phone. Yeah. Unless you have a really big ass phone. So. Okay. Well, that's definitely something to think about. Thank you for the suggestion, Killian. Yeah, it's a good suggestion, though. All right. Well, now it is time to jump into our Book of the Month discussion. But first, uh, we will announce the winner for the July book pick. Uh, based on your votes, we were doing an all-Octavia Butler uh, selection pool. Yeah, um, I basically made the dictator choice. We're going to read Octavia Butler, but let folks vote on what title. And I... Not saying I'm shocked, but I was a little surprised that Dawn won. It's a more recent title from 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the beginning of a series, which I know some people are not that much into, um, but it ran away with it. Uh, it's about an alien race that saves every human that survived a dying Earth. Uh, a woman wakes up on the ship that's run by the Onkali. Uh, they have healed the planet. They have cured cancer. And they're going to help this woman named Lilith lead her people back to Earth, but they charge a price. Mm. And if I told you what it is, that would be a spoiler. Yes, it's book one in the uh, Xenogenesis series. And yeah, I mean, people were trying to guess which book was going to win this month, and it was not one of the ones that people were suggesting. So I was pretty surprised, too. uh, But But it was one of the ones people voted for. But it was the one you guys voted for. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't. Uh, it was actually close through the first half of the month, uh, but it was not close at the end. Like this one definitely won by a good margin. Very interesting. And you guys all did that blindly too. Like it was the, the results were closed. So <laughs> well, the results were open for a few days and then I shut them down. I shut and it down. Veronica shut it down. transparency and democracy was like, I'm the queen. Get I just wanted people to see what would happen. Actually, I think it was interesting that nobody knew what was in the lead. And so people were trying to guess. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Also, it was Octavia Butler's birthday two days ago. Do you remember? Did you know that? I didn't I, know that. I did so not know that. She she did pass away, though. So it was her birthday. No, she did not celebrate it. She didn't You're, celebrate right. it. She um, died in 2006. But she yeah. She did. But a lot of interesting facts about um, Octavia Butler. Uh, she was dyslexic. Um, and also, she's, I believe, well, no. She's not the first uh, female black author that we've read um, because we've no. read yeah, N.K. Jemisin as well. 
Um, but she is definitely probably one of the most well-known uh, female authors of color um, in history uh, for genre fiction. Uh, she's very celebrated. Um, she describes herself as comfortably asocial, a hermit in the middle of Seattle, a pessimist if she's not careful, a feminist, a black, a former Baptist, an oil and water combination of ambition, laziness, insecurity, certainty, and drive. Those are her words. Yeah. Uh, in 1995, she became the first science fiction writer to receive the MacArthur Fellowship which is sometimes nicknamed the genius grant. Uh, so she was one sharp person. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people asked her later in life, like, why didn't you write mainstream literature? Why, why choose a genre? And from some of the things I've read, her answers were generally, I didn't want people to attack it head on. Hmm. So I clothed it in genre, which she was always a fan of too. She's like, first of all, I was always a fan of science fiction through her entire life. Uh, and she felt like more people might accept the message she was trying to give if it was cloaked in sci-fi. Yeah, she won the 1999 Nebula Award for Best Novel for Parable of the Talents, uh, 1985 Hugo Award for Best Novelette for Bloodchild, also the Nebula Award for Best Novelette for the same book and, in 1984, and also the 1984 Hugo Award for Best Short Story for Speech Sounds. Um, so definitely a very award-winning author as well. All right. Uh, we Like we're uh, doing now, we save our wrap-ups to the very end. So if you don't want to be spoiled on Promise of Blood by Brian McClellan, you can go now. Swordandlaser.com slash store would be the only other thing we would say to you. Uh, and now we're going to wrap up Promise of Blood, which I really enjoyed. Go I'm, ahead. I'm tempted. I've got too much to read, but I'm I'm really tempted to jump into the next one. Well, the problem is that it was such, it felt like such a cliffhanger. Like there were so many loose ends that weren't tied up and so many yeah. characters that have been introduced that we didn't really get to dive into in the first book that now I feel really compelled to read the next one, uh, which was probably Brian McClellan's evil plan all along. Ha ha ha. No, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, but obviously yeah. it was done intentionally. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it seems almost unfair that I feel like I need to read the next one, but it was a, it's a good, it's a good yeah. trick. And, and I just really enjoyed the story. Um, I liked the characters and I liked the magic systems a lot. Um, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but the addition of actual gods or quote gods, we don't really know exactly what they are yet that may be wrapped up in the next book or throughout the series. Um, but I thought that was very interesting as well. And, and done in a way that I, I liked how it kind of surprised a lot of the characters in the books, too. Um, in a world where you well, believe in magic, to not believe in the existence also of these godlike beings, I thought was kind of funny. So since you brought it up, let's go right into Joanna's comment then. Uh, she said, I assumed the book was going to roughly follow the course of European history, Tamas hiding his personal reasons under a cloak of justice, but I figured that revolution was an idea whose time had come, et cetera, et cetera, except that deposing a king in the name of the people turns out to be a lot more foolhardy when the king is honest to goodness backed by the divine, mm -hmm. even if the divine was bribed into doing so by ancient kings. On the one hand, that was a twist I didn't see coming very far ahead. On the other hand, I feel like it made the book less interesting for me personally. I think it's difficult to put oneself into that mindset that no, no, a god chose your king and his line to rule. And if you commit treason, you are also rebelling against God. Now, Rob responded mm -hmm. to say, I felt this way first. I found the whole politics backed by magic stuff pretty interesting. However, giving it time to settle in, I think this is the more interesting choice because it's asking the question, if the divine right of kings 
actually is divine, does that mean we really do have to support the king? Or does it mean we are justly required to overthrow not just the king, but also the monarchs of the cosmos? Yeah, that's how I felt. That's when Rob wrote that. I was like, yeah, that's exactly why I thought it was so cool. Because you know, they always say, oh, this this monarch is backed by divine right. You know, they have the blessing of the gods. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, blessing of the gods, yada, yada. Sure you do, buddy. And then, you know, they overthrow the government, the monarchy. And suddenly it's like, oh, crap. Actually, this is true. This is happening. Now we've pissed off the gods. What? How do we do that? How could we possibly go up against that? Um, and yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well and then Ben jumps in and says, don't forget the question of if Kresimir and Mahali and the others really are divine or if they are just akin to very powerful privileged or indeed if there's a difference at all. It, it, I love what McClellan did here because he set up a world where people are skeptical, mm -hmm. right? They're like, eh, I don't really believe in a lot of this crap except for the magic that is accepted among the privileged. That's science to them, yeah. right? So he split magic in half. There's magic that's dumb and only peasants believe in. And then there's, well, but that's actually real because the nobility can has, do that. you know, has this real magic. And then he set up this thing, which is kind of a science fiction premise that somebody came from another world and started the religion. And you don't know, well, are they, are they really a God God or are they just an alien kind of mm -hmm. wrapped up in the cloak of, of God and how did they bestow magic upon this population? And it brings up all of those questions, which all funnel in to what ben, or, or, or what uh, Rob was saying about God, what if the divine right is really divine or is believed to be divine or even just has the power to not be able to tell the difference? What do you do? Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, the whole magical system is based on there being different tiers of magical ability. So there's people with the knack and then there's people who have, you know, the, that are privileged and have this next level kind of powerful ability. Um, then we have the blood mages, which it seems like to be a different kind of magic, but is it really a different kind of magic? We don't really know. And then we have gods who essentially could just be super powerful privileged. Um, or maybe people, the whole race is descendant of these people and we don't actually know where the this ability came from. So, you know, all of this could be answered in later books. I have not read ahead. I've not read any spoilers. I don't know what the case is. Um, but it seems to me it's going to be something like that, where this is built into this magical existing magical system. And it's all related. It's all intertwined somehow. And the other part of this that I really enjoyed, Sean pointed out, uh, you've got several novels in one here. Uh, you've got Tamas, the political thriller, mm -hmm. right? You're, it's very much political intrigue and how does he balance the power and what does he do? You have Adamat, which is a straight on mystery novel. It's a detective novel. He, and he is the detective in the noir novel. Then you have Taniel, which is a war story. Uh, and then Sean says he thinks that Nihilist story is underused, which is kind of a fantasy version of the French Revolution. I would call that your, your Regency part of the of the novel <laughs> uh it's, it's not exactly a romance but it's definitely like you know the the les miserables type of of story that's going on with nyla i don't think it was underused but I, I think that that story is more of a long bet and which is why we didn't check in on it as often because i think nyla's story is going to span the entire series right um and part of what sean the point sean was making too uh in that post was that Thomas's story kinds of 
kinds of change kind of changes because we have this initial thing where you know he's this he's overthrowing the monarchy he's trying to reset the government he is ruthless uh in this and will basically kill anyone in the way you know he was willing to kill hundreds of, of innocent people including children to achieve this goal and then we find out that that's not actually true so nyla has this whole justification for her feelings for wanting to kill Thomas for wanting to, you know, destroy this this government like overthrow from the inside. Um, but yet that motivation kind of gets taken away when she realizes that he didn't actually kill Jacob, who was her charge when she was living in the nobles house. Um, he didn't actually kill anyone under the age of 17, which many people were pointing out was a somewhat ambiguous age to choose because if this really were an alt history of that period, um, you know, those would definitely be adults at this point. You would be thinking more along the lines of like 12, 13 max in terms of being people who were children still in the eyes of this kind of world. Um, and then, you know, so that motivation gets taken away. And then is Thomas less of an interesting character for that? Because he wasn't actually as ruthless? Is he kind of just a a good guy who puts on the, this facade of being a bad guy uh, to, to people outwardly? Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, at the time, I was kind of like, oh, oh, okay. So, oh, I thought he was more interesting as kind of a bad person that had a gentle streak to him as opposed to being a good guy that looked like a badass. See, and that's interesting because when they revealed that he saved the children, I felt that was consistent with what we have learned, which was he was a bad guy with a gentle streak. He was he was a tough son of a gun who really was a jerk to his son, but there was a part of him that still loved his son. Oh, of course. And to me, and to me that, that was entirely in character. The idea that he had killed all the children never set right with me. I'm like, I just don't buy, I don't buy Tamas would do that. He is, he is doing this because he thinks it is the right thing to do. But he killed he the king who was his those child. are adults though, and the king and the king was was guilty. But he kind of raised him, and I, and you know, I don't know if there was... was guilty in his eyes. Children are never guilty in his eyes, is what I would think. In his eyes, and, yeah. and that turned out to be true, which is like I am not going to hold these children, you know, responsible for what their parents did. I'm not saying I disagree no, with no, no. that that children I, should be killed. I don't agree uh, with that statement. Let's just take that off the internet. In eating babies. But, but I think that it would have made Thomas a more interesting character. Because uh, he still tries to make Daniel go and kill Bo. He's not messing around with that. Like, that is a direct order. I, I think if it turned but it's his out like... his son's best friend. A like, lot of people are like, all of a sudden he saved the kids. I'm like, you actually don't know what happened to the kids. You didn't think about the kids until that scene came. So don't give me this like <laughs> it was you know plugged in at the end. The kids showed up and, and everyone had the question of like, oh, so he killed the kids too, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I, when I thought he had killed the kids, as soon as that was raised, I was like, ooh, but I'm, I'm not sure... I'm not sure that fits. This is a guy who feels like he has more morality on his side. He can justify every killing that he has made. And he's torn about killing Bo, right? He's, but he knows that it's, it's the thing that has to be done. But I think, clearly it was not the thing that had to be done. Well, he may be changing his mind now, right? Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I just, I can't, I can't see Tamas being consistent about 
having the moral high ground and killing the children. So when it turned out he didn't, I was like, ha see, I knew, I knew that's what, what he was like. But I don't want him to necessarily feel like he has to have the moral high ground. You know, well, I, but that would be a different character. Then. Right. And maybe I wanted that character a little bit more. This is, this maybe is we have enough good very, guys in the book. To me, this is a very like classic 19th century British character. I'm ruthless. Uh, there are certain things that I'm racist about. Uh, and there are certain things that I will just, you know, roll over and, and let be done because that is practicality. But I have rules, damn it. I live by a code. And one of Tamas's code was you don't kill children. Are you talking about Doctor Who now? No, I'm actually thinking more joking. like Evelyn Waugh era stuff. I'm just joking. Horatio Hornblower. Horatio Horn. Horatio Doctor Hornblower. Doctor Who would be like, no guns. He's like, powder mage? How could he be a powder mage? He doesn't like guns. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I people were a little ruffled about the ending too, um, about whether or not uh, did that thread not make it in? I had a post about the ending, and I guess it disappeared from from the from the lineup. Um, but anyway, oh, yeah, I don't see it. yeah, it was it was right here where my my cursor was highlight. Um, but anyway, so the ending is is also kind of a little ambiguous with the you know did Taniel kill Cressemir? Like what happened there? I'm sure a lot of those questions will be answered in the next book. Um, so I don't know. What did you think about it? I liked the ending uh, in in the sense of obviously McClellan has created a story arc that this is the first part of. Mm -hmm. And so he's setting you up for there are more things to come. There are bigger things to come. I don't think he killed Kresimir. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's that easy. So I would expect more to come of that scenario in the next book that's to, that's the zombie that you thought you killed okay and he and un, unlike in a zombie movie where the zombie gets back up at the very end because that's the end of the movie this is a series so this we're, we're something else is going to come of that it wasn't that easy i yeah. mean not that it was easy but it yeah you you can't you can't just do it like that and everything i learned from reading the iron druid chronicles leads me to believe that gods are very difficult to kill yeah, so absolutely. Well, or maybe we're finding out right here that gods aren't gods at all. They're mm -hmm. just privileged. Yeah. Super privileged. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add? I'm good. That I, I really enjoyed Promise of Blood. We did talk, um, Brian McClellan, the author, um, did want to do a Q&A on Goodreads. Um, so the month isn't quite over yet. So I will uh, make sure to set that up so Brian can answer some of your additional questions, dear readers, um, if you have anything <laughs> you else say, you want to add. You know what Tom and Veronica said in their wrap up? Yeah, they had it all wrong. Here's the real story. That, I'm totally okay with the author correcting Absolutely. my misinformed diatribes about the book. I really enjoyed yeah, the book. Say, just to, what just Brian's to... going to do next, if Brian says no, then I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know who knows what Brian's going to do next? Brian McClellan. Brian MFing McClellan. Yeah. Um, which is what I'm going to call him from now on. <laughs> it is his middle name, I think. MFing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's French. It's French. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, if you want to find more awesome podcasts to listen to, make sure you head over to boingboing.net slash category slash podcasts. You can listen to our show and many other great ones over there right on the site or subscribe to them via iTunes or RSS. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, the email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. The website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on Goodreads. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, the phone number is 415 Five, seven, sword, six. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.
Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.